All right, let's turn our attention for a minute to uh, the story that just keeps getting weirder and weirder. You think it's a done deal, and then all of a sudden, the brakes are being hit on Elon Musk. Uh, he announced Friday, tweeted out that his $44 billion cash deal to take Twitter private was temporarily on hold while he awaited data or data on the proportion of its fake accounts. And then uh, just this weekend, he tweeted out, that a Twitter legal just complained that he violated their NDA by revealing the bot check sample size is 100. Here to talk about that and just generally the weird deal that's happening, the back and forth on this uh, takeover of Twitter, Carmi Levy, tech expert and journalist. Welcome to the show. Good to be here, Kelly. You know, the word weird, I think that's just the perfect way to describe this. Every time I think, it's almost like when it, when we were living in the age of Trump, every time you went back to his Twitter feed, you thought, we've crossed a line, we've hit a new bottom, and then he would tweet again, and sure enough, he'd stretch the boundaries even worse. And I'm not saying that Elon Musk is anywhere near uh, what Donald Trump ever was or will be, but just the, that sort of sense that, you know, we're living in a bit of a bizarre world and, you know, Elon Musk is the ringmaster. That's kind of how it feels right about now. Right. Now, he put it on hold, the uh, deal, to find out how many bots are populating Twitter. Can you speak to that and how problematic that is, the the fact that there are, you know, people that are, are following bots or bots are responding to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so every day, roughly about 220 million people are using Twitter. That's they call that DAU or daily active users. And if you're an advertiser, you want to make sure that, you know, you're advertising to these people. So you want to make sure that they're actually real. Uh, But we all know that in social media, a certain percentage of the accounts that are live on any platform are in fact not real. They're automated. They're script based, and you know they're known as bots, robots, basically. Um, and and some of them do good. You know, some of them, for example, share. Con- you know, they'll they'll automatically retweet content uh, from a particular area. Others will consolidate tweets from elsewhere and and sort of fire them at an audience. Update things very quickly. So they do serve a purpose. But the problem is, is when that percentage of bots uh, goes too high, uh, then you really don't know who you're talking to. And so uh, Twitter filed as part of the the, the deal process, they filed a bunch of uh, papers, including one that suggested that under 5% of their user base was in fact bots. And they were continuing to investigate. Uh, Elon Musk obviously didn't like that. And he essentially said, we're going to put this on pause until this investigation is complete. I want to make sure that what I'm buying is real, not bot-based. That mm. makes a lot of sense. But since then, of course, he's been engaged in, a, you know, his. he continues to tweet. He continues to share all sorts of uh, details about the process. And now he's saying that as part of that discussion afterward, uh, that he disclosed something that he probably should not have. And that apparently angered the Twitter bots. Is This is the basis of the entire deal. If it turns out that a huge percentage of Twitter's user base is, in fact, not human, why would you buy it? Who are you advertising to? Where are you going to make your money from? Would advertisers even want to pay to advertise on the Twitter platform? That's a huge problem. It's an existential question. It would also bring into uh, question the credibility of the platform and the valuation of of Twitter, which is what you're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So this sample size, can you talk about why that is uh, important that that Twitter uh, tests a certain sample size to find out how many uh, bots there could be using it at one time? 
Yeah, so what they would do is they would kind of look at the user base and they would sort of reach into it randomly and pull a hundred accounts just from everywhere. And they would do this a number of times. Each time the sample size would be a hundred. And the trick is to balance. You want to you want to sample enough so that it's valid, but you don't want it to be so large that it would be you know inefficient or that it'll take you so long to determine it that you know essentially you're gonna run out of time. So um he, you know, he says that he was going to do his own analysis. He was going to, you know, his team would then reach into Twitter's user base and do samples, 100 here, 100 there, 100 there, and then look more deeply into the background to determine human or bot. And then that would give them what Elon Musk says are more precise figures than this 5% that were included in the filing. That's really what's, what it all comes down to. Twitter says it's under 5%. Elon mm -hmm. Musk doesn't believe them puts the brakes on the deal. Now he says he wants to do his own analysis. And it's part of the back and forth around that. Twitter is now saying that he violated the non-disclosure agreement. And do you feel like, because it, it can't just be me, that he is, he's decided he wants to back away from this deal. So he's looking for an easy way out and this would be it? It almost feels that way. You know, he's kind of looking for excuses. And so today it's it's bots, and, you know, percentage of, of real human accounts. Tomorrow it could be something else. And he'll just sort of keep coming up with excuses. I've got to investigate this. I've got to investigate that. Uh, and then, you know, that sort of gives him along a, a litany, a list of things that he can use as an excuse to back away from. But it's not that simple. You don't just go and offer to buy a company and then, oh, I don't like what I've seen. I've kicked the tires. Now I'm going to walk away. He's on the hook. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the breakup fee on this will easily exceed a billion dollars. That will come out of his his pocket. Um, and also just the, the damage to his brand going forward. Uh, you know, what will happen next time he wants to buy a company? What will the company do in order to protect itself from him? It'll be seen uh, as a malevolent uh, acquirer. And that's probably something he doesn't want to be seen as. In fact, much of his riches today have been acquired through acquiring other companies. This would make it more difficult for him to do that in future. It's really not the way this process is supposed to work. Carmi, though, could he have not, um, you know, when you talk about his brand and the damage this could do to his brand, couldn't this also irreparably damage Twitter's brand? And could they have a lawsuit against him? There's certainly a risk there is that, you know, it it essentially makes Twitter look like the, the middle ring of a three ring circus. And the problem here is that how do you recover from that? How do you engage in a fight with someone who essentially engages in the business equivalent of asymmetric warfare and come out of it looking, uh, you know, like, like un, un, unscathed and come out of it looking OK, come out of it looking mature? Uh, that is a problem for Twitter because Twitter has always suffered uh, in this way since it was founded. It's always been seen as a bit of a rogue in the social media space. It's always been seen as the one that didn't quite live up to its potential, uh, the one that didn't quite make as much money as, as Facebook and as other players, the one that you know never quite scaled to the same uh, levels. Facebook, you know, two plus billion people a day are using Facebook, whereas that's barely a tenth that for Twitter. Why is that the case? Why is Twitter a fraction? the size of everyone else. So then you add this on top of, uh, you know, the past 15 years of history that Twitter has fought against. Uh, and essentially, it adds another anchor to a company that already has a lot of them hanging off of it. Is there a social media platform that would take over if, if Twitter didn't make it out of this deal unscathed? And 
There have been a number of so-called Twitter killers uh, that have emerged over the past number of years, and each and every single one of them has ended up just like in the ditch on the side of the highway. Um, you know, the problem here is that if you are, you know, Twitter has great appeal to a very specific audience. So entertainment, politics, celebrities, uh, government, um, you know, these are people who like, like you know, influencers tend to gravitate towards Twitter. It's almost like the pulse of the internet, but it doesn't have broad appeal. For example, you know, the kids who are sharing videos, they're on TikTok and Snapchat. Mm -hmm. They're not using Twitter. Um, and so it's a small subset of the overall social media uh, um, uh, environment or landscape. And their networks are already there. Twitter works a certain way. The last thing you want to do is, is reestablish that somewhere else. It's the reason why Donald Trump's Truth Social has failed to, to garner any kind of traction thus far. Nobody's there and nobody wants to be seen there. Uh, and most of these other alternative players, they're exactly the same thing. You can't replicate mm -hmm. Twitter and you can't kill it. So, no, there, there isn't going to be a replacement for it if Twitter dies. Uh, which, you know, no one's saying that it will, but if Twitter does start to falter, there really isn't anything out there to replace it that has the kind of focus scale. Interesting. Carmi, thank you so much for joining us. I always, I really love your take on these, uh, these tech stories. Uh, I appreciate your time as always. You have yourself a good afternoon. Thanks, Kelly. You too. Cheers. Carmi Levy is a tech expert and journalist and friend of the Kelly Cotrera Show.